0: Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor, Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. Oh man. But I'm going to tell you, man, spooky season is in full force in the Watkins household, okay? We've gone to the pumpkin patch. We've picked up pumpkins, okay, very spooky season-y. Uh, we carved pumpkins. We've painted pumpkins, all right? We've put out the fall decor. We've watched some Halloween uh, movies. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's, spook- it's spooky season, you know? It's the good stuff. Uh, we watched... Uh, Hocus Pocus, While We Carved Some Pumpkins. Who loves Hocus Pocus? Man, it's a good movie. It's like a, it's like a fun movie. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a movie night here where we watched Halloween Town. Um, and that was fun. That was a good time. Both of those movies, though, um, have to do with, like, witches and wizards. Like they, bo- like, they have, like, you know, witches and stuff. And I remember being a kid... And uh, you guys probably remember this too, like Harry Potter, big, okay? Like in the late 90s, uh, uh, she started re- the author started releasing the books, right? the Harry Potter books, and then he got picked up to t- be turned into a movie franchise. Movies started coming out, late 90s, early 2000s, and like basically for my whole childhood, there was Harry Potter movies coming out. I don't know if you remember, though, but there was like a lot of controversy, like a lot surrounding Harry Potter, because it had to do with like witchcraft, okay? And I remember coming home one day, and my mom had on the TV um, this big, white, sweaty preacher, okay? And he was just yelling at the TV, talking about Harry Potter inviting demonic influence into your house. And my mom's like, oh, my gosh, we have those books. And I was like, Mom, it's it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, it's it's just Harry Potter. And so I don't know, maybe in your childhood you weren't allowed to read them or to see them. Like, I watched the movies. They're good. They're okay. You know what I mean? And Harry Potter, at the base of it, it's just these fantasy movies. You know what I mean? It's like... It's like Star Wars, you know? It's like the Twilight books. Like, it's just fantasy. It's just, it's just fun, okay? It's a kid grow, growing up, and he's fighting evil, you know what I mean? Like all of us do, okay? And, uh, and, and they're good. They're good. Um, but, like, it was such a huge topic of debate. And, and Harry Potter's harmless, but witchcraft... Actual real witchcraft, I don't know if you know this, but in the late 90s, they like did like a census and there was just like a few hundred uh, practicing Wiccans, witches and wizards. There's like a few hundred in the United States. In 2018, Newsweek reported that there were 1.5 million practicing witches in the United States. Is that not shocking to you? That sounds, that's a little, that was shocking to me. Like actual people, you guys are like, yeah, that's normal. I live, you know, my homie's a witch. No, like this is like, that was like weird for me to hear that. And to hear that, that number had grown over the years. And it's like the, the number of witches is like on the rise in the U.S. And many of these uh, people becoming Wiccans, witches, are actually uh, millennials. And I'm sure young Gen Zers um, are are actually rejecting Christianity and doing the exact opposite and becoming witches. And it's interesting because witchcraft has actually been, like, rebranded. <laughs> they kind of, like, rebranded themselves to, like, attract millennials and people. And it's like their whole thing right now is, like, hey, we're, we're just a pre-Christian tradition and it's all about getting back to your, your your roots, getting one with nature and the spiritual. And that's kind of like how they're branding themselves witchcraft, which I find incredibly interesting because the reality is witchcraft is really founded on like the demonic and the evil. I mean, that's really the base of it. There's no way around it. And uh And Lana Del Rey, she even recently said that she was placing hexes on members of the government she didn't agree with. That's wild, okay? She's just like, yeah, I'm like doing a little brew and saying a little like witchy thing. And I'm like, that's weird that you would even say that. But really, no matter the way you spin it, no matter the way you spin it, it's people adhering to a certain set of beliefs, and, and uh, last week, we talked about uh, how in the New Testament, people uh, were very superstitious of demonic spirits. And even in the Old Testament, you know, witchcraft and paganism, it's been around for thousands of years. And the Jewish people wanted nothing to do with, with these demonic spirits, but there were outside people groups who worshipped evil spirits. And in the Old Testament, it wasn't much different. Before the time of Jesus, the Israelites were constantly facing the outside pressure of pagan culture, and there were actual witches in the Bible. So I thought it would be great, spooky season, a lot about witches right now, right? It would be perfect time to talk about one of the most famous witches in history, and it's not the Wicked Witch of the West, okay? This is the witch of Endor, and not the forest moon of Endor from Star Wars, but the witch of Endor. It's kind of this crazy story, weird, freaky, one of those things that pastors don't usually preach on that I have the joy of preaching on tonight, okay? So a little background, a little background before we get into the witch of Endor, I got to tell you about my man King Saul in the Old Testament. And so Saul, King Saul was anointed Uh, king, and he was actually the first king of Israel. And prior to uh, this monarchy that the Israelites had, the Israelites were actually a tribal community. They were made up of tribes, almost like the United States, if you'd say, okay? They were different states, all united to be one, the Israelite tribes, and their leader was God, Himself, and he he worked and spoke to the prophets of the time, and they would deliver messages. And the people grouped these tribes, lived together, like you know, in harmony, and would just follow kind of God's commandments. But then one day, (laughs) they pulled like a reverse United States, and were like, "Everyone else has a king; we want a king." Like, that's just weird, okay? They were just like, everyone else has a king. We want a king. And so they're like, God, give us a king. So God's like, okay, I'm not good enough for you. That's fine. So he, anoint, he actually anoints King Saul to be the first king of the Israelites. And so Saul was pretty good, uh, good king. Uh, Samuel, the prophet, anoints him. Uh, Samuel advises him. God was with him. He, he won battles. He, he ruled. He conquered for years. But Saul, as I'm reading, I thought about this. I was like, dude, this man must have hearing problems because he's like, he's hearing one thing, but but then he's doing something completely different. Like Samuel's like, hey, do this. And Saul does like the complete opposite of that. And I was like, dude, this guy's got a hearing problem. But the more I read, I realized that Saul really just had a heart problem. And Saul kept disobeying God and the, and the things that God asked of him. And see, here's what happened. is God made it simple, but Saul made it complicated. God, God made it simple, but Saul made it complicated. And, and I think that happens to us a lot of the times, right? God makes things simple, but sometimes we tend to make them complicated. And Samuel informs Saul that God has rejected him as king. So Saul's anointed as king. He's doing fine. He's doing good. He starts to not listen to God. He disobeys him in a few instances, and then he disobeys him in a really big one. And God decides, you know what, you're not the man. I'm rejecting you as king. And as Samuel, Samuel tells Saul this. He tells him, the, the Lord's turning away from you. And, and Samuel turns to go. And as, and as Samuel's leaving, Saul seizes hold of his robe and, and tears off a piece of Samuel's robe. And then Samuel turns and he prophesies that the kingdom, like his robe, will be torn from Saul. And Samuel never sees Saul again. So there's some background on my boy King Saul, all right? Now let's let's get into the story because it's kind of a freaky story, all right? And years and years it's passed since this interaction with Samuel, and and God had not yet yet torn the kingdom away from Saul, all right, but it's coming. It's coming. And so here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 3. It's gonna be on the screens. It says this. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. And this actually happened uh, a few chapters ago. This author's giving you a little recap. He's saying, hey, remember, Samuel's dead. Like, he died. And then it says that Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. In other translations, he expelled the mediums and the witches. Like, the, he's, he's expelled all these people that are, like, practice witchcraft. He's, he's gotten rid of them from the Israelite land. That's what Saul did. It says the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa when Saul saw the Philistine army he was afraid and terror filled his heart and it goes on to say he inquired of the Lord but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or signs or prophets Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. So so here we have Saul. And Saul knows that, his, that these enemies are coming, and, and he knows he's in a bad place because the Philistine army had actually cut off, and they came down the center of the, the nation of Israel and cut off the north from the south. It was a strategic move, okay? So they had cut off supply chain. They've cut off communication. They've essentially cut Saul's army in half. Now they're going to be fighting in halves. It's going to be complete chaos, and it says that he was terrified. He was scared. And so what does Saul do? He tries to go to God. And so Saul, he, he's praying. He, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to contact God. He's trying to see if God is going to send him dreams or signs or maybe a new prophet will come because Samuel's dead. There hasn't been a prophet around, so he's hoping maybe a new prophet will come on the scene. And he's asking God what he should do, but he gets no answer because God had left him. So he does the next logical thing that any one of us would do, right? We go to try to find a witch, of course, right? (laughs) If God doesn't answer you, go and find a witch, right? That's weird, okay? But it's what Saul does. He's like, my next step is to try and find a medium, a witch, which is no easy task, mind you, because Saul has banished all of them from the nation of Israel. And so Saul, he sets out, and his men, they know of this medium, this witch of Endor, and they know where she is. So it says, Saul disguised himself. Can I give you a little piece of wisdom right now? Just a little nugget of wisdom. If you have to hide something, that usually means it's not good. If you have to disguise yourself to do something, Usually means it's probably a poor decision. If you have to pull up a private browser, you know incognito mode, it usually means you're not looking at anything very good, all right. I mean, it, if you have to erase search history, if you have to sneak out of the house in the middle of the night, if you gotta, if you got, you're probably up to no good. Okay. So Saul disguises himself because he he doesn't he, he wants to hide what he's doing. He doesn't want people to know. He doesn't want his 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 nation to know. He doesn't want the witch to recognize him, and so he leaves at night, which is often the best time to leave if you're trying to be sneaky. Okay, daytime, people see you for miles, and nighttime, no one sees in the dark, and so he leaves at night, and he he finds this witch, right, this medium, and this is what he says in the next verse. Consult A spirit for me, he said. He's talking to the witch. And bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? She was concerned. She's saying, hey, you know that this isn't allowed here, and yet you're, you're asking for it. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel. I mean, Saul is so desperate for an answer from God that he goes to a medium, a witch, who's going to perform a seance, a literal seance, and try to talk to the prophet Samuel so that Samuel could talk to God for him. (laughs) I mean, can you believe this? I, I mean, if rule number one right, that we know last week, rule number one is don't talk to demons. Rule number two should be don't have witches perform seances for you, okay? You want to, like, that's, that's like, we should not be doing that, but here Saul is doing that, okay? And so he goes, and he goes to this witch, and then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, She cried out at the top of a voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. And then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? The ghost of Samuel just appeared. Y'all getting this? This is a ghost in the Bible. The ghost of Samuel just showed up. A witch is doing a seance, and the ghost of Samuel pops up. This is freaky. Y'all did, I bet y'all didn't know this was in the Bible right here, okay? Ghosts and witches. This sounds like a Halloween movie. No, it's the Bible, okay? It's in the Old Testament. And it's like this witch is absolutely shocked when Samuel shows up too. It's like Samuel shows up and like her face, literally she's seeing a ghost, okay? You can imagine her face gets white. She screams at the top of her lungs and she is like freaked out. And scholars believe that she was probably freaked out because usually she probably wasn't actually contacting the dead, okay? They believed that she was usually doing seances, and one of two things happened. She either was a witch who communicated with a demon, and the demon would come and act like he was somebody that they were trying to contact from the dead, and he would do, like, some spiritual stuff and make things happen and move in the room or make his voice known or whatever. It was either that or... Or she was uh, like a con man, okay? And it was just illusion and just tricks. Maybe she would have somebody in the back being like, ooh, I'm a ghost, okay? And she was just scamming people for years, okay? Because if she sees ghosts on the daily, she wouldn't be surprised when she saw Samuel. And yet here's Samuel right in the middle of this seance, and his ghost shows up. And she sees him, and, and Samuel probably popped up, and he's like, yo, that's Saul right there. And she's like, what? You're a ghost and that's King Saul. And so she's like, you've deceived me. You're Saul. And here's Saul. And he's like, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because he doesn't want Samuel to leave. He doesn't want this to end. He's like, what do you see? And she's like, I see this dude. And so Saul realizes that this ghost is Samuel. And the witch can see him, but Saul can only hear him. And so here's what we have in verse, 16, or verse 15. It says, Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? It goes on in verse 17. Verse 17. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to the, one of your neighbors, to David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amicalites. And The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full, sh- full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and all that night. I mean, what a crazy story here. <laughs> a witch, a seance, a prophet ghost. Like What? I mean, really, what's the point of this? How is this story even relevant to me or you other than being just plain spooky and it being spooky season? Like, what can we actually learn from this? And like I said last week, I believe that the word of God is alive, that it's active. And I see a few things that we can take away from the story. Just a couple things. The first thing I see is this. You have to ask the right questions. You gotta ask the right questions. Um, Y'all remember a movie called I Robot with Will Smith? That movie's low key a great movie. Okay, it's low key good, dude. I don't know. It's just it's a good one. But he's talking at one point. Detective Spooner. That's Will Smith's character's name. Spooner. Spooner's like talking to this hologram, okay? And he's asking this hologram questions, and it's a pre recorded hologram. And whenever Spooner asked the wrong question, the hologram would say, My responses are limited. You must ask the right questions. And he would try again, he'd say, My responses are limited. You must ask the right questions. And he'd try again, My responses are limited. You must ask the right questions. Until Detective Spooner asked, the right questions. And I think, I think sometimes we have a tendency to ask all the wrong questions. Sometimes you and I, we ask all the wrong questions. And look, at, I'm not saying that God is some hologram in the sky where his responses are limited and you have to ask the right questions. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's a trick to your prayers and you got to word it the right way so that God answers you. I'm not saying that. I just think sometimes we get hung up on the wrong questions. And Saul, he tended to ask the wrong questions. He asked God and he asked Samuel, how can I get out of this situation Rather than asking, why am I in this situation? You see, oftentimes we ask that same question. We ask, God, can you get me out? God, help me out of this place. God, I I don't want to be here. (laughs) Rather than asking what God has for you in your situation. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we, We ask, how can we get out? Rather than, what do you have for me? Is he trying to grow you? Is he trying to teach you? Is he preparing you for something? And many times we will find that when we ask the right questions that we are in certain situations sometimes because of our own decisions, not necessarily because God put us there. See, let me tell you something about King Saul. For years He had been paranoid and he had been scared of God taking his kingdom from him. And so when he heard about this man named David who had slain Goliath and it was this crazy warrior and he had thought, man, he is one day going to take my kingdom. Saul got paranoid and preoccupied with that. And for years, Saul was chasing David around and trying to kill him. And he wasn't paying attention to his kingdom. And see, Saul's enemy found an opportunity to attack him. When you fight the wrong enemy, the real enemy will rise up against you. And Saul spent so much time and energy fighting the people that were for him that he missed the people who were against him preparing to attack him. And if Saul had taken the time to ask the right questions, I believe things may have ended differently for him. See, if Saul had stopped to ask the right questions, maybe he would have realized he was fighting the wrong enemy. If Saul had stopped to ask, why is this happening? He would have realized his mistake. Here's the second thing we can take away, is that if we want guidance from God, then listen to the guidance he gives. If we want guidance from God, then listen to the guidance he gives. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? (laughs) What what, what Samuel's saying here has so much weight to it. He asks Saul, why are you disturbing me? And Saul says, I need help. Tell me what I can do so I can win this war and get out of here. And Samuel says, oh, now you want to listen to what I have to say? I mean, this is like ancient, I told you so, all right? You ever have one of those moments? I mean, sometimes it feels good, but it's so bad, right? Maybe you're like, girl, that guy's not good. That's a bad dude. He's not good for you. He's going to break your heart. They don't listen, okay? And then they come back to you crying like months later, and they're like, I wasted so much time. I should have listened. Or you're like, boy, that girl, she's bad news, okay? She's just trying to use you. She's trying to get those free dinners. Like, stop, okay? And he's like, nah, fam. And then he comes back and he's like, dude, you used me. And you're like, I told you. I told you. And they're like, what do I do now? And you're like, you didn't listen to me before? Why am I going to tell you what to do now? You know, it's like, and I told you so moment. That's the exact moment that Saul is in right now. As Samuel It's saying, Saul, you didn't listen to what I had to say multiple times before, and now you're asking me what to do? It's a little too late, bud. See, Saul wanted guidance from God, but he didn't listen to the guidance he gave. Saul wanted guidance from God, but he didn't listen to the guidance he gave. I remember when my parents were telling me uh, not to jump on the bed when I was little okay? What do you do? Beds a trampoline, okay? And you're just jumping. And I remember one day I fell and I kinked my neck like really bad. I don't know if you've ever had a bad neck kink, but your head's literally like this. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. And you're just walking. So I come out and I'm crying. I'm like, mom! She's like, were you jumping on the bed? And I was like, And so then we go to the doctor, and then I have to walk around with like this funky looking neck brace. And it's just, like, hey, and just trying to play on the playground with my neck like this, right? It's an I told you so moment. See, when we, if we want guidance from God, we have to listen to the guidance He gives. And, and, and how many situations have we ended up in if we had listened to God from the start? We wouldn't need to be asking for His help in the present. See, I think we often find ourselves in bad situations when we don't listen to good instructions. You often find yourself in bad situations when you don't listen to good instructions. And Saul was denied guidance because Saul had denied his guidance. (laughs) And for Saul, in his final moments... In desperation, as he realizes his, his life is about to collapse around him, Samuel lets him know it's too late. And Saul's fate was sealed. Here's the third thing as we wrap up, and it's a quick one tonight, but here's the third thing it's all about how you finish. It's all about how you finish. Now you've probably heard that old saying, right? It's it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And that applies to so many things, right? Races, sports, classes, performances, heck even sermons, but most notably I believe that applies to life itself. Because this, having a good start is no guarantee of a good finish. Right? Having a good start is no guarantee of a good finish. I remember in elementary school Um, like, everyone's a track star in elementary school, right? Like, we just, the kids love running because they have so much energy. But if you ever watch a race in, like, elementary school or junior high, Kids always start the race at 100% speed, okay? Like, gun goes off, and they are a million miles an hour as fast as they can sprinting. But what happens? After about 30 seconds, like, kids start getting cramps, okay? There's always one kid way ahead of everyone else because they really are a track star, and everyone else is just, like, burnt to a crisp, okay? It's like, you started strong, but you ain't going to finish strong, right? Like, that's how it is. Saul... Had a good start to being king, but he finished terribly. And as young adults, God willing, we have a whole lifetime ahead of us, and, and it, but it's all about how you finish it. And I want you to know today that the decisions we make today have the potential to impact our future. And for Saul, disobedience in the past brought darkness in his present and brought him destruction in the end. (laughs) See, the things you do today may determine how you finish tomorrow. So here's the key. The key to finishing strong is actually the pace you keep in the middle. The key to finishing strong is actually the pace you keep in the middle. And I believe Paul knew this when in Hebrew chapter 12 he said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run this race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So you, you need to know that the perseverance in our spiritual lives looks like obedience in our everyday lives. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And King Saul was entangled in his disobedience, and it caused him to not finish strong. And I think the writer to the letter to the church in Galatia asked them this in chapter 5, verse 7. He asked this, you were running a good race, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Let me read that again. You were running a good race. You started out strong. But who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Man, what is keeping you from obeying the truth? I mean, you don't want to look back on your life with regrets. You want to end it strong, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life that's life to the fullest. And it starts now with the pace that you keep by simply obedience. And it starts with following Jesus. And it starts with listening to his guidance and obeying his commands. And see, Saul's fate was sealed with the consequences of his mistakes. But with Jesus, your fate is sealed with the blood that he paid for your mistakes. God may have left Saul, but because of Jesus, he'll never leave you or forsake you. You may believe today it's too late for you, but it's never too late. You can start following Jesus now and take a hold of the things he has for you now because it's all about how you finish. Ask the right questions. Listen to his guidance. Finish strong through the perseverance in obedience. See, God makes things simple. It's us who make it complicated. I'm here to tell you right now, get back to the simplicity of keeping the perseverance in your relationship with Jesus. And you'll finish strong. I believe it. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word that's alive and active and even these weird, crazy stories in the Bible of witchcraft and seances and and ghost prophets. Lord, we still can learn from you and your word. God, I thank you for the examples that you give us in the Bible. God, Saul had victories and he had failures. God, I pray that we can learn from them and grow from them. Lord, we know that in the end that that Saul was was with you, (laughs) even at the the end. And, God, we know that we're going to be with you at the end. But, Lord, I pray that we can finish the race strong, God, that we can keep the pace in the middle. God, that we can follow after you wholeheartedly in the midst of it all. God, we just give this to you tonight, and we give this word to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to stand in a time of response, in a time of worship. Right now, if you have any prayer requests or you need somebody to talk to, we're going to have leaders in the back who love to pray with you and chat with you. But let's just sing it out right now. Come on.